Hello and welcome to the Decorum Talking newspaper for the week ending Saturday the 30th of September 2023. This is Janet and your other readers are Alan, Amanda and Brian. The editor this week is Eleanor. All are members of Team 3. Most of our news items are taken from the Hemelhempstead, Berkhamsted and Tring Gazette and Express newspaper. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442 unless stated otherwise. This week's headlines are Parking fees set to rise More homes needed for the over 75s New funding for women's football and full review planned of Hearts Police These and other stories follow. Here is the news. Hello, I'm Alan. Decorum Borough Council is looking to increase parking costs for the first time in four years. The authority has now opened a consultation period regarding its plans to increase parking charges and tariffs across the borough. Parking fees were last increased by the council in 2019 and in that period inflation has risen by 28%. The borough's council plans to increase the fees in line with inflation, rounded up to the nearest 10p. The minimum cost for on-street parking will be £2 per hour and free parking periods will drop from one hour to 45 minutes. Off-street short-stay car parks will have a new minimum two-hour stay. But car park operating hours will be extended with new, longer stay-off-street park tariffs introduced as a result of the extended operating hours. And the upper level of the Water Gardens car park will be open for public use Monday to Friday. Councillor Sally Symington said, while we continue to work hard to become even more efficient and reduce running costs where possible, we also need to take decisions on increases to charges and fees to ensure that we can continue to balance our budgets and provide essential and discretionary services to our residents. Hertfordshire County Council states its proposed parking charges are significantly lower than public sector averages and local private sector parking charges. The local authority believes the changes are fair and proportionate, adding that the rise has been carefully considered prior to consultation. Work is ongoing to install the first electric vehicle charging point sites in the Forge car park Tring and Hemel Hempstead High Street car park. Current council projections suggest the charging points will be ready for October. Installation of the charging points at a number of other sites in Hertfordshire are planned Once all of the new charging points are in place as part of the installation programme, Decorum will become the borough district with the highest number of these in Hertfordshire. 
The consultation will remain open until 19th October this year. Residents can submit feedback via letstalk.decorum.gov.uk forward slash parking dash proposed changes to tariffs and dash charging policies. Hard copies of the consultation and survey are also available at the forum reception Marlowe's, Hemel Hempstead, Hertfordshire, HP1 1DN. Berkhamsted Library, 185 High Street, Berkhamsted Decorum, HP4 3HB. Tring Library, High Street, Tring, Hertfordshire, HP23 4AF. Hello, this is Amanda. The growth of women's football has received another boost in the form of a further grant from Barclays Community Football Fund. It means Community Kickabout, started in 2020 with a Decorum Borough Council Community Grant with support from Hemel Hempstead Town FC, can now offer a second weekly women's game. Volunteer organiser Mark Wilmore says, this second grant, after the first last year, will fund the long-term booking of Hemel FC's brilliant facilities and ensure we can offer participation at a subsidised affordable fee, just £3 a week. It will also ensure women and girls who belong to Community Kickabout have suitable clothing, boots and equipment. And if required, we can purchase, support the purchase of female-specific kit. We've committed to providing weekly recreation football sessions to women and girls living in and around Decorum and we've recently added a second game to our regular Monday session at the Focus Community Arena, Hemel Hempstead Town FC. Mark believes women and girls are underrepresented in the local grassroots football scene in spite of football being England's fastest growing female team sport and adds this grant allows us to continue to encourage people to get active within our games in a friendly and welcoming environment. We're also continuing to fund and support local women and girls who are interested in FA coach training. After running men's over 30 football games for two years, women-only games with no age restrictions were trialled last year. There was a fantastic response and regular games have been organised ever since. Once they've confirmed availability by booking online, women and girls can play in Hemel Hempstead's friendly small-sided games. Mark says you don't need to rely on having enough players to book your own pitch or even be part of your own team. Just register and play. And he's enthusiastic in his gratitude to Barclays. Their community football fund offers grants, training and support resources to help reduce inequalities in the participation of football. It helps local organisations like ours support young people from underrepresented groups to start or keep playing. Hello, this is Brian. Hertfordshire will need thousands more homes dedicated to the care of older people within 20 years if it is to meet the needs of the country's ageing population, councillors have been told. Estimates based on the county's existing population suggests there will be 55,000 more over 75s living in Hertfordshire 
by 2042 than in 2022. And that, councillors have been told, will impact on the types of housing that will be required. There will, according to the estimate, be a need for 8,000 additional retirement or sheltered living units in the county. There will also be a need for 8,000 more extra care housing units as well as a further 3,500 more nursing care bed spaces. The data is based on modelling that has been carried out on behalf of the County Council's adult care services and it was reported to a meeting of the Council's Sustainable Economic Growth Cabinet Panel. The modelling work, which will be updated by the Council in line with new evidence or, or population data, is designed to align adult care services needs with the planning system. And at the meeting, councillors were told that it would ultimately be used by planning authorities to directly impact on the delivery of housing for older people by making provision for older people a requirement. According to the written report presented to the panel, developers have tended to focus on the higher end of the market. But it says the robust evidence in the modelling could be used to identify policy requirements that could in turn force market housing developers to deliver market and affordable older people's housing and housing for adults with disabilities when they bring market housing schemes forward. And this, says the report, could work in much the same way as requiring affordable housing when schemes come forward. Plans for a full review of the Hertfordshire Constabulary have been highlighted by Police and Crime Commissioner David Lloyd. Underpinned by principles of evidence-based policing and the prevention-first approach, Mr Lloyd says he has commissioned the review alongside Chief Constable Charlie Hall. On Wednesday last week, he outlined the project to a meeting of the County Council's Public Health and Community Safety Cabinet Panel. Led by a team of officers and staff from the Constabulary and the Commissioner's Office, the review will look at the whole structure of the organisation, said Mr Lloyd, to ensure that all areas are fit for purpose for modern day policing. It will, said Mr Lloyd, analyse data and evidence to propose and cost new models designed to maximise efficiency and effectiveness. It will, he said, determine the highest areas of demand and harm by both geography and crime type. And he said it will identify areas and departments that require more resources, as well as those where savings can be made by working in different or innovative ways. The performance of the force is good and is constantly monitored, he told councillors, but this dedicated and comprehensive review will ensure that the constabulary is working the most efficient and effective way possible. Meanwhile, Mr Lloyd also outlined plans to consult on a strategy that would, he said, outline how he would work with the Chief Constable to improve and further embed a culture of transparency, accountability and ethical behaviour. And he said it would focus on addressing the most immediate and pressing matters which can betray public trust, such as, he said, the abuse of poli police power. 
It recognises the vast majority of officers carry out their work with the utmost integrity and the good of the public at the forefront of their minds, he said. However, we know that a minority of officers who may abuse and exploit their priv privileged positions are out there. The strategy will put in place measures to ensure we identify those officers and staff and deal with them appropriately and at the earliest opportunity. Mr Lloyd said there would be additional investment to de further develop vetting and recruitment processes to provide additional checks on behaviours and motivations with enhanced and more regular screening. And he said, I am clear that rooting out inappropriate behaviour, misogyny and criminal activity must be a top priority, whilst we continue to reinforce the core organisational principles of fairness and equality. A huge amount of work has already been undertaken in this area by my office and within the constabulary, but it is right that we continue to look for where further improvements can be made. Uh, and now, this week in history. September 28th, 1745, God Save the King was per first performed at Drury Lane Theatre, arranged by Thomas Arne. On this day, last year, Kemi Badenoch travelled to New York for her first overseas visit as Trade Secretary as the UK hosted the Fifth Atlantic Future Forum aboard HMS Queen Elizabeth in New York Harbour. September 29th, 1758. Horatio Nelson, hero of Trafalgar and Britain's greatest sailor, was born at Burnham Thorpe in Norfolk. On this day last year, Coolio, touched the world with his talent and will be missed profoundly following his death, aged 59, his management said. September 30th, 1967. BBC's Radio 1 went on air for the first time with Tony Blackburn introducing The Breakfast Show. His first record was Flowers in the Rain by The Move. On this day last year, this was the last day that people could use the Bank of England's paper, £20 and £50 notes in shops or to pay businesses. October 1st, 1969, Concord 001 broke the sound barrier for the first time during a test flight in France. On this day last year, marathon world record holder Eliud Kipchoge planted a tree in honour of the late Queen and launched the Living Hall of Fame, recognising past London Marathon champions. A new look high-tech McDonald's will reopen in Hemel after a big revamp. McDonald's on Maylands Avenue in Hemel Hempstead has undergone a convenience of the future restaurant redesign, which promises to deliver a better customer experience for all. 
It will reopen on Thursday, September 28th with the promise of improving the experience and convenience for customers. The restaurant will now offer a separate delivery only area which allows delivery drivers to go in and out of a dedicated courier entrance and service area. This will reduce congestion in the dining area and give walking customers more space. The dedicated courier entrance will also mean there is a lot less noise in the restaurant. As well as the courier changes, improvements have been made for staff, including their break spaces. Alan Butchers, who owns and operates four McDonald's restaurants in Hemel Hempstead, said, McDonald's is always looking into ways to improve the customer experience, and by investing in these changes in my restaurant, we'll be doing just that. I'm looking forward to welcoming my customers back into the restaurant to experience the changes at first hand. With dedicated areas for different ways to order, along with the removal of the front counters, the revamp will offer a more efficient way to order and will leave customers with more space to enjoy their meal. Gareth Pearson, McDonald's UK and Ireland COO, said, The pace of change within the restaurant industry is relentless and the pandemic accelerated this with digital adoption gathering greater pace. Our customers rightly expect to have choice in how and where they order and collect their food, and our job is to ensure that every experience is a great one. For this to be the case, we know we also have to provide our restaurant teams and delivery partners with the best possible environment to work in. We strongly believe we have to continue to invest to grow, and this investment not only addresses how customers are ordering now, but provides us with a platform to continue to adapt in the future, whatever that innovation looks like. Public health officials say they have started to see an increase in the number of people known to have COVID in Hertfordshire. At a meeting of the County Council's Public Health and Community Safety Cabinet panel on September the 20th, Councillors were told there had not been a peak of COVID over the summer. However, Head of Health Protection Geraldine Bruce highlighted a graph showing that in August and into September there was an increase in the number of positive cases. She said it is believed this was driven by the BA.2.86 variant, a descendant of Omicron. This is a variant that is under investigation currently with UK HSA, she said. And that is because there's various new spike proteins on the outside of the virus. So they are looking to see what that actually means for people. So will it be more transmissible? Will it cause more severity of disease? At this stage, people aren't showing increased severity of disease, but as a precautionary measure, the booster programme, which is normally rolled out around October-November time, has been brought forward. She said that currently everybody in care homes are among those being offered the booster vaccination. She said that at the same time it had been decided to administer flu vaccines at the same time. And while the people may still contract Covid, she said, the hope was that it would not lead to severity of disease or to hospital admissions. <clears throat> Hemel Hempstead politicians are calling for an action plan to support Wilco workers set to lose their jobs this month. 
Wilco in Hemel Hempstead is closing for good on September the 29th with all UK stores shutting down before October. A group of councillors are putting pressure on Decorum Council to do more to help staff find equivalent retail jobs across the borough. Politicians representing the Labour Party have called on the authority to explain what will be done to help those affected by the company going bankrupt. They are urging the council to pull out all the stops to help those who have lost their jobs. The group is calling on the council to put an action plan in place to find alternative retail employment for all 36 staff being laid off by identifying other similar retail opportunities in across Decorum's high streets in Hemel, Tring and Berkhamsted. The politicians advise they have been working closely with the GMB union and have taken steps to secure a specific case manager at the job centre as well as a link for staff to register for retail employment opportunities. Councillor Peter Hannell said staff have been treated abysmally. They have been kept in the dark and were reduced to following the story on the internet after the company first disclosed it was facing financial difficulties. In fact, it was only when they received store closing down signs to stick up in the windows that they knew the store was closing. It's a tragic state of affairs. The Labour Group have been doing what we can to help, but really the Council should have stepped in earlier to help mitigate the job losses and try to help find alternative employment. The impact of the internet and online shopping means closures like this will happen more often. It's vital that the council has some sort of plan in place to quickly find new job opportunities and to drive investment into alternatives to retail in places like the Marlows and across our high streets and community shopping centres. A spokesman person for Decorum Borough Council said that the authority is extremely disappointed with the news of the closure, adding that our first thought is of course for the workers and their families who will be affected by the news. The council said it had been in contact with the store manager in Hemel to provide a range of support for those affected and have arranged to meet with all the employees to support them. Councillor Sharon Wilkie, our portfolio holder for place, said the collapse and closure of many Wilco stores was truly a shock to many around the country. We know the devastation for the working people and their families, and they are our priority. We will continue to work with our local partners and our business sector to support those affected by this closure and help support local people into sustainable employment. Hemel School is celebrating after being rated as good by Ofsted inspectors. Hammond Academy, part of Aspire Academy's Trust, family of six schools across Hertfordshire, has received a good rating in its recent Ofsted inspection. The inspection, which took place on the 20th and 21st of June 2023, evaluated the school's effectiveness in key areas such as leadership and management, the quality of education, personal development, behaviour and attitudes, and early years provision. 
The Ofsted inspectors praised the leadership team for creating a school environment where the Hammond learner is happy, motivated and wants to do well. There are many changes that have taken place in the school which pupils recognise. They know that the calmer environment is a result of the new behaviour systems. They also commended the teachers for how they carefully adapt lessons to meet individual pupils' needs, including those with special educational needs and or disabilities. They mentioned that staff are ambitious for the pupils at the school and that clear expectations are set. The school places a strong emphasis on reading and have recently opened a new school library. The report highlights that pupils read for pleasure and early reading is consistently taught well. The inspectors emphasised that this is due to the high quality training that staff have received. Principal of Hammond Academy, Karen Cohen, said, I am delighted that Ofsted have recognised the many strengths within the Hammond community. It is a testament to everyone associated with our school who are constantly striving to improve and provide our Hammond learners with the very best possible start to their journey through education. Vic Parsi, Chief Officer of Aspire Academies Trust, said, We are thrilled with the outcome of the recent Ofsted inspection and proud of the hard work and dedication of the staff, children and parents at Hammond Academy. The Ofsted inspectors concluded that a lot of effective work to improve provision has taken place in the school in a short time. Police and Crime Commissioner David Lloyd is to ask Hertfordshire residents for their views on police station front counters. Walking in to see a police officer at a front counter is no longer an option at most police stations, but on Wednesday, September 20th, Mr Lloyd told a meeting of the County Council's Public Health and Community Safety Cabinet panel that there was now a live debate nationally about whether they should be reopened. He said this focused on whether access to front counters could improve the public perception of officer accessibility. And he said that next month his office would be conducting a public survey around this. Many of you will know the long and difficult history of police station front counters, said Mr Lloyd. Many years ago, the majority of front counters were closed because the public simply did not use them. There's a live debate nationally about whether front counters should be reopened and whether doing so would improve public perceptions of public officer accessibility. Mr Lloyd also highlighted data that revealed the reasons people currently visited the front counters operating at a police station in Hatfield and Stevenage. According to that data, in a three-week period, he said there were 891 people who attended both station front counters. Of those, he said, 186 were for bail checks, 
131 were to collect property confiscated as part of a custody booking in process and 88 were to ask a custody related question. He said 62 people visited to sign on the sex offender register, 50 to produce documentation and 19 to sign for immigration. In addition, he said 49 people wanted to speak to a police officer when no appointment had been made and 11 wanted to use a toilet. Three people, he said, turned up wanting to hand themselves in. It's a small insight into the question of front counter provision, said Mr Lloyd, and in order to further understand the public's perception of and desire for front counters, as well as perceptions of police officer visibility and accessibility, we will be conducting a public survey next month around this. Head teachers in Hearts are to be reminded that school uniform should be affordable and accessible after the issue was raised by Labour councillor Nigel Bell. Since May 2021, schools have had a legal duty to consider cost when setting their uniform policy. They've been told to keep their use of branded items to a minimum, to avoid single supplier contracts and to ensure second-hand uniforms are available. The national guidance now makes it clear that no school's uniform should be so expensive that pupils or families feel unable to attend. The issue was highlighted at a meeting of the County Council's Education, Libraries and Lifelong Learning Cabinet Panel in response to a motion from Labour Group leader Councillor Nigel Bell and Executive Member for Education, Libraries and Lifelong Learning Councillor Caroline Clapper committed to write to schools to remind them of the legislation. I do not believe any child should be disadvantaged from attending school due to the cost of the uniform, said Councillor Clapper. As everyone is here should know, this was government policy three years ago and the schools were written to and I am personally very happy to write to all of the Hertfordshire schools. Councillor Bell, who initially submitted the motion to a meeting of the full County Council, said it was important to remind schools of their statutory responsibility. And he said he had wanted to make sure everything was being done to help families with school uniforms through the most the cost of living crisis. At the meeting, councillors heard that schools should have already reviewed their school uniform policy to see if any changes were required in light of the legislation. However, this would not apply if it would breach a school's pre-existing contract with a uniform supplier or if a school would need to run competitive tender. Councillors also heard that Hearts for Learning Education had been commissioned to look at where the, whether the council was doing all it could to meet the needs of children living in poverty and reducing social and economic inequality. That will include visits to look at the strength of early years provision, a pupil premium review and an eliminating economic exclusion audit. Hertfordshire Constabulary has revealed that residents in Hemel Hempstead were among dozens of people conned by fake ticket sellers. More than 50 Hertfordshire residents have been scammed when buying tickets online since April according to police records. In total, 56 residents reported losses of more than £47,000, 
with one Watford resident losing £1,200 trying to avoid, attend a sporting event. Another victim, a Buntingford resident, lost £850 buying tickets from a bogus vendor on Facebook. Residents from Hemel Hempstead, Waltham Cross and Wellin Hatfield also lost money to ticket scammers, Hertfordshire Constabulary has confirmed. Julian Griffiths, Hertfordshire Constabulary's fraud triage manager, said buying tickets for events from uncredited vendors is always risky. Avoid buying directly from individuals and use accredited sites instead. Buying tickets from secondary agents or people claiming to have tickets for sale can be expensive and carries much greater risk. Most venues, festivals, concerts and sporting events have official ticket sites which offer resale tickets if you missed out on the initial sale. The police force has provided some example scams people should be wary of. Hertfordshire Constabulary states the scammers website will offer tickets that are not yet on sale or to sold out events. People might even get the tickets they paid for but at the event find out that they're fake or have been reported as lost or stolen. Fraudsters may tell you a representative will meet you at the event with your tickets but they don't turn up. Police advise residents to pay for tickets using your credit card as it offers protection under the Consumer Credit Act if you're scammed. Residents are warned to check online for negative reviews. The Hertfordshire Constabulary adds, remember the only way to avoid being scammed is to buy tickets from the promoter, the venue off box office, a reputable ticket exchange site or an official agent. If a site shows the Society of Ticket Agents and Retailers, STAR, you can check if they really are members by contacting STAR directly. The Marlowe's Shopping Centre in Hemel Hempstead has opened the voting for its Community Awards event for 2023, after the success of last year's awards. The Community Awards are designed to recognise local heroes, with 12 categories now open to receive nominations for individuals, companies and organisations, showcasing fantastic efforts in supporting the community of Hemel Hempstead. Voting will close on Monday, October 2nd, with voting for shortlisted submissions then opening on Friday, October 6th, to determine the winners. The winners from each category will receive £100 to spend at the Marlowe's and a trophy. Members of public can vote for nominees in each of the 12 categories Community Organisation of the Year, Fundraiser of the Year, Inspiring Young Person, Best Teacher Award, Volunteer of the Year, Marlowe's Guest of the Year, Employee of the Year, Customer Care Award, Retailer of the Year, Café Restaurant of the Year, Best Window Display and Sustainability Initiative of the Year. To take part in nominating and voting, 
head to bit.ly forward slash 3 EYBONP or visit guest services to submit a slip. Centre Manager Humphrey Mwanza said we are so excited to announce that we are now accepting nominations for our Community Awards 2023. So it's time to make your voice heard. Let us know who you think deserve a bit of recognition and we could be awarding them with £100 to spend and a trophy at the end of our voting period. Now we come to the information slot. This is followed by the obituaries, what's on and any more news. Decorum Borough Council are on a mission to reduce edible food waste in Decorum to help save residents money while saving food from ending up in landfill. Recent research shows that almost a quarter of the average household rubbish bin in Decorum contains edible food, not peelings and eggshells, but food that could have been eaten if we'd managed it better. Over a year, this means that about £720 worth of edible food is thrown away from each household. Save food and money by trying out the suggestions on the hashtag WorthSaving webpage and by spreading the word. If you'd like to help share the message, we can provide flyers, posters and community talks. Just email us at, us at recycle at decorum.gov.uk for more information. Have your say on polling places. Every five years, the Council are required to carry out a review of our polling districts, polling places and polling stations. This is to ensure we provide reasonable facilities for voting and that our polling places are accessible to all electors, including those with disabilities. Please share your suggestions and comments on this matter by emailing us at er at decorum.gov.uk by Monday the 16th of October. OWL Online Watch Link and Hertfordshire Constabulary and Neighbourhood Watch are all asking, could a dangerous cannabis factory be hiding in your street? They're launching a campaign to raise awareness and encourage the reporting of suspected cannabis factories located within residential areas. In June, a national operation targeting cannabis cultivation going on within communities resulted in 27 people being arrested and more than 3,200 cannabis plants being seized. During 2023, more than 20 large-scale cannabis factories have been found and shut down in Hertfordshire. However, many more properties are suspected to be hiding these farms in streets across the county. These factories can spell danger for the homes and people who live in neighbouring areas from posing potential fire hazards to increased crime, violence and antisocial behaviour. Spot the signs of cannabis cultivation. A powerful, distinctive, sweet, sickly aroma. Frequent visitors through the day and night. Blacked out windows or vents sealed and blocked to prevent the heat and smell of cannabis from it out from the property escaping. 
chinks of bright light throughout the night, birds gathering on the roof, particularly in cold weather. In winter, snow melting unusually quickly on the roof, high levels of condensation on windows, noise from fans, large amounts of rubbish, including compost bags, electricity meter being tampered with or altered and new cabling, sometimes leading to street lighting. If you suspect an address in your neighbourhood is being used to grow or deal drugs, contact Hertfordshire Constabulary via the non-emergency number 101. The obituaries on the family announcement page this week are Annie Constance Love, known as Anne, age 102 years, Jean Bardsley Ratcliffe, known as Joe, aged 97 years, Neil William Robert Ray, aged 64 years. May they all rest in peace. What's on? Friday 6th of October, Little Missenden Festival. Next month, the Little Missenden Festival kicks off at the historic church of St John the Baptist in Little Missenden near Amersham. Experience wonderful music surrounded by medieval wall paintings. Events run from the 6th to the 15th of October and feature chamber music, jazz, folk and choral music, as well as lectures and discussions. Performers include harpsichordist Mahan Esfahani, the Phaedra Ensemble, pianist Angel Hewitt, the Carducci Quartet, the Corvus Consort and more. Don't miss this hidden gem of culture in the Chilterns. Vocal Eyes have audio described events in October. We're excited to return to Victoria Palace Theatre for the first live audio described performance of Hamilton since 2019. The multi-award winning musical tells the story of America's founding father, Alexander Hamilton. Join us on Saturday the 7th of October. Booking contact number 0344 482 5137. Booking contact email access at delfontmackintosh.co.uk. Join an exclusive After Hours audio described tour at the Bank of England Museum. Learn about the bank's history and architecture. Find out fascinating facts about banknotes in the banknote gallery and hold a real gold bar. Book your free limited place for Thursday the 12th of October at 5.30pm. Booking contact number 020-3461-5545. Please leave your name and contact details on an answer phone if no reply. The booking contact email is education at bankofengland.co.uk. The Museum of the Order of St John in Clerkenwell, London. An audio descriptive talk and tea concerning Henry VIII's bronze cannon. 
We're delighted that following Vocal Eyes training, the Museum of the Order of St. John is now offering a series of descriptive talks and object handling sessions, exploring key objects from the museum's collection. The talk on Wednesday 18th October at 2pm tells the fascinating story of a 16th century bronze cannon that King Henry VIII presented as a diplomatic gift to the Grand Master of the Order, Philippe Villiers de Lille Adam in 1529. The 45-minute session will include the opportunity to handle cannonballs used at the Siege of Rhodes in 1522. Limited places are available for the free ticketed session. Booking contact number is 020-7324-4005. Lines are monitored Wednesday to Saturday, 10am to 5pm. Or booking contact email museum at sja.org.uk. The Cult of Beauty Exhibition. Opening on 26th of October, the next exhibition at London's Welcome Collection explores notions of beauty across time and cultures. Around the world, beauty is constantly seen as an ideal worthy of going to great lengths to achieve. But what are the driving forces that lead us to believe in a myth of universal beauty despite its evolving nature? Contact access at welcomecollection.org or phone 020 2222. A recorded audio description guide will be available along with lights up sessions, large print guides and magnifiers available in the gallery. Theatre 222, A Ghost Story, Milton Keynes Theatre, October 3rd to 7th. Jenny believes her new home is haunted, but her husband Sam isn't having any of it. They argue with their first dinner guests, old friend Lauren and new partner Ben. Belief and scepticism clash, but something feels strange and frightening, and that something is getting closer. So they're going to stay up until 2.22, and then they'll know. Theatregoers are promised a brilliantly funny and adrenaline-filled night where secrets emerge and ghosts may or may not appear. The show comes fresh from record-breaking seasons at five West End theatres. Visit atgtickets.com forward slash Milton Keynes to book. On Saturday, Channel 4 is showing a documentary at 7.35pm, The Royal Guide to Animals. British royals have always had an affinity for animals from the medieval menagerie founded by King John at the Tower of London that was once home to more than 60 species to the Queen's beloved, if somewhat grumpy, corgis. This programme lifts the lid on creatures that made it to the royal inner circle. 
They include Charles's Animal Memorial, an elite stable of racehorses which have brought in millions and prize-winning dogs that have specialist trainers. ITV's The Masked Singer is coming to Bovingdon and tickets are being given away for free. Residents and fans of the reality singing show can join panellists Davina McCall, Rita Ora, Jonathan Ross and Mo Gilligan to ask who's behind the mask at Bovingdon Airfield Studios near Hemel. The recordings take around four hours on the following dates, Monday, October 2nd, 3.30pm, Tuesday, October 10th, 3.30pm, Friday, October 13th, 3.30pm, and Sunday, October the 15th, at 2.45pm. Host Joel Donnett is returning for the brand new series where panellists and guests can expect tougher clues, phenomenal performances and jaw-dropping reveals. The show is suitable for ages 8 and above. Those under 17 must be accompanied by an adult. Book tickets at Lost in TV dot com forward slash tv dash show question mark i d equals one two eight four halloween party and road closures on Sunday 29th of October, we are holding some spooky fun in our old town High Street, Hemel Hempstead, with our all-invited Halloween party from 3pm to 7pm. There will be fiendish good, fiendishly good entertainment for all the family, including fancy dress competitions, face painting, interactive performers, food and drink stalls and lots more. But this also means that the High Street will be closed from 11am to 9pm. We're sorry for any inconvenience caused and hope you can join us on the day. Golf. Golf fans from Europe and the United States can start to draw battle lines right now as the Biennial Men's Ryder Cup is upon us. The 44th Ryder Cup matches will be held this year in Italy from September 29th to October 1st at Marco Simoni Golf and Country Club in Guidonia Monticello near Rome. The event was originally scheduled from September the 30th to October the 2nd, 2022, before the 43rd matches were postponed in 2021 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The United States is the holder of the Ryder Cup after its 19-9 victory over Europe in 2021 at Whistling Straits in Kola, Wisconsin. The Italian course where the Ryder Cup will be played covers a total of 3,627 yards or 3,316 metres with a par of 35 for the first nine holes. 
Coming in over the second nine holes, it covers a distance of 3,641 yards or 3,330 metres with a par of 36. It could be a tight affair, but the United States have not won a Ryder Cup on European soil since 1993. The first official Ryder Cup took place in the United States in 1927 at Worcester Country Club in Worcester, Massachusetts. The home team won the first five contests, but with the competition's resumption after the Second World War and with repeated American dominance, a decision was made to extend the representation of Great Britain and Ireland to include continental Europe from 1979. Since 1979, Europe has won 11 times outright and retained the cup once in a tied match, while the United States won nine times over the same period. Europe has won four times away on foreign soil in 1987, 1995, 2004 and 2012. In basketball, Hemel Storm came through a challenging double-header weekend to progress to a Kit King Trophy quarter-final tie against MK Breakers next Sunday. They won both games to go unbeaten in their group and take the winning streak to 45 in all competitions. Storm started the weekend with a less than convincing 11-point win over newly promoted London Elite in front of a packed-out Storm Dome. Sam Newman led all scorers with 23 to go with 6 rebounds and 7 assists, while Hakeem Silla recorded a 20-point double-double. The team then headed to Uxbridge on Sunday where they took on Thames Valley Cavaliers and sent the travelling fans home happy with a 15-point win, running out 104 to 89 victors. Imports Seth Swalve and Braden Inger top scored with 28 and 27 respectively, while Silla had another double-double and Newman had an impressive 13 assists to go with his personal tally of 12 points. Football. Brad Quinton was a proud man after seeing his Hemel Hempstead town side pull off a remarkable comeback to beat Torquay United on Saturday. The Tudors fell 2-1 behind in the 84th minute, only for two goals in 60 seconds to turn things round by the 88th minute, Bailey Brown slamming home the winner. And Quentin paid tribute to his team overall performance as well as the late fight back. He said, I think the boys were superb, every one of them. The boys who came on as well changed it. I think it would have been a crime if we'd lost that game in terms of the effort and commitment for one another. To go behind to a full-time club, a huge club, we never say die and the boys were immense and it was thoroughly deserved. Attention now turns back to the FA Cup with a third qualifying round tie at Galston, upcoming this weekend. Quinton said... They're not a bad team. We had a look at what they can do and where they are in the league, etc. We'll travel up on the Friday and mentally prepare because it's a cup game that anyone can win. 
If you think the game's already won, then you won't be on the coach or in my team. Berkhamsted moved up two places in the SBL Premier Central with a point at home to Alva Church on Saturday. Berko got off to a flyer with Mark Riddick heading his first goal for the club from a corner to give him the lead in the third minute, the keeper's hand not being enough to keep the ball out. However, Alf Church got an equaliser when K. George ran on to net in the 16th minute. The goal of the game came when Anthony Ball went down the right and crossed for Edu to slot past Dale E with a 15-yard shot on 37 minutes. The home crowd were fuming when, in first-half stoppage time, the visitors were ordered, awarded a penalty. There was no doubt that there was a foul, but the, date, the debate was whether Charlie Smith brought Janai Gordon down inside the area or outside. Gordon converted the spot kick himself. Both sides went for the winner, but the second half was to prove goldless. Perker remained in the drop zone as Kettering Town got a 96th minute goal for a draw. Meanwhile, Berkhamsted had been drawn away to fellow Step 3 side Potter's Bar Town in the third qualifying round of the FA Trophy, Trophy to be played on October 7th. Blaze Tap writes, Leaving dirty pots and pans is never going to end well. When Theresa May told television viewers that she and her husband Philip split the most basic household tasks into boy and girl jobs, there was a vocal chorus of disapproval from a significant and vocal section of society. In an otherwise forgettable pre-election appearance on The One Show, the Beeb's official home of celebrity book plugs and skateboarding dogs, the couple let it be known that the then Prime Minister's husband was responsible for putting the bins out due to his gender. Cue the outrage, which included predictable accusations of sexism, although on reflection, that fleeting telly appearance ended up being nothing more than a semi-amusing footnote in a general election tilt that has since become a textbook example of how not to run a political campaign. There was, however, a silent majority who could absolutely relate to the domestic picture which the Mays of Berkshire painted in their own understated way. I also bet that some of those smartphone boudicas from six years ago would gladly swerve having to squeeze one last bag into the wheelie bin when it's blowing a gale outside. I was reminded of this storm in a chipped mug last week when I read about the publication of the latest British Social Attitude Survey which informed the nation that more than three-quarters of those who took part believed that domestic tasks should be split between the sexes. A nation rejoices after finally laying the tired old stereotype of handicap to rest, right? Wrong. Although the survey didn't accuse men behaving anywhere near as badly as the country's most famous fictional misogynist, it did show that two-thirds of women say that they do more than their fair share of washing and ironing, while most said they do most of the cooking and cleaning. Just a fifth of men said they did most of the housework, with nearly a third admitting they do less than they should. 
In Shetap, the division of labour is split reasonably fairly, although that doesn't stop us both occasionally moaning about us doing more than our fair share. At ours, I am head chef, and I don't really like sharing that task, partly because I find the act of cooking therapeutic following a day in front of the laptop, and also because it means that by rights, I don't have to do the ironing and the vacuuming. That's middle-aged married couple logic right there, and it is something that is replicated in homes across the country. Having said that, being in charge of the wok and saucepans is currently not quite as exciting as it once was after our new household diet saw us swap olive oil for low-fat spray. Until we recently shamelessly started paying our firstborn to do it, emptying the dishwasher was the job that neither Mrs Tapp or I willingly volunteered for, because it is the most tedious task of them all. It's also the most frustrating job too, if due to it being poorly loaded you have to soak bowls which are covered in baked on Weetabix. Of course, I'm always considered to be the prime suspect whenever evidence of this most hyenas of kitchen crimes is uncovered. Of course, I'm often accused of doing such household chores badly on purpose in order to be banned from doing that particular task in future. Of course, I've never owned up to it and my stock defence is that we can't be good at everything, can we? There is no choice, chance that, even if I wanted to, I would get away with not splitting the chores, while absolute domestic harmony is merely a pipe dream for many couples, leaving a sink full of dirty pots and pans for your other half on a regular basis is never going to end well. We're coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this week are 6.59am and 6.45pm. For those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemel.org.uk. If you wish to listen on Alexa, say, Alexa, open the talking newspaper skill. Alexa will ask you which broadcast you want to listen to. When prompted, reply, Play the decorum talking newspaper. This part can be tricky. If Alexa offers the wrong station, just say no and then try again. For those who are listening to this week's news via a memory stick, after the music there is the amenities section that gives details of various groups and the contact details of organisations. Please remove your memory stick carefully from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Seal it up firmly, turn the label over and post it back to us using any Royal Mail post box. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye from all your readers, the editor and Andrew, your technician for this week. Goodbye. <laughs>